think it's coming. Okay. Sam, quick question. Rank it uh, from offensive, amusing, to neutral. If I made Peter call this episode the importance of being earnest. <laughs> I, you know, I, I'm, I'm with it. I, yeah? Not offensive. Not, uh, okay, good. Well, I don't know if you get a lot of the Oscar Wilde uh, references. Yeah, that's, that's a good one. It's a good Okay. Peter, yeah. you never... You never go with my titles. I think you should go with this one. I wrote it down. I'm gonna, That's what it's going to be titled. Sweet. Because usually yours are just, I don't know. I'm just, <laughs> no one's going to listen to the episode if, if it's your title. So I just, I nod along and say, okay, Matt, that sounds good. And then I change it. But th- that one's actually pretty good. That's a literary reference. I know. A side story. I once, when I was like 16 or 17, I picked the importance of being earnest up. And I thought I was going to, oh, I'm going to read a classic here. I read an abridged, like, weird version that wasn't, it was a retelling of the story by some other person. And I didn't know how to read, like, it's like, oh, Oscar Wilde. And then I got done. I was like, I don't think I read the real thing. (laughs) (laughs) Like Oscar Wilde as told by. Yeah. I was like, let me check that off the list. And I was like, eh. Wait. We live and learn. So, and on that note, welcome to There Will Be Books, a podcast about books. And tonight, author Sam Ernst. I'm Peter, joined as always by Matt. Matt, you have a great title for tonight's episode. I feel like tonight's guest, which we don't have often, is already a friend of the podcast. Uh, without having actually been on. He graciously gave us two books that we kind of, we should have read last year, but we're, <laughs> we're, we're slow and we're disorganized yeah. and we get sidetracked. And for listeners, we add too many books to our TBR, but we did read his book, The New Manifesto by Sam Ernst. Welcome, Sam, to the biggest po- book podcast in Northern Colorado. Thanks for having me, guys. <laughs> I was going to start. Matt was, I had a question that Matt thought was going to be. Don't ask him. That's a good question. Ideas. Don't. No. Well, first I want to say your book is, I'm not going to say like unusual, but it's not something I think a lot of readers read. Can you describe your book to someone who has like, who's not familiar with like metafiction and there's a lot going on in this book. I want to say it's it's there is, and, and and as you said, you know, it's not the kind of book a lot of people read. That's that's my fear. Um, it's as as a piece of metafiction. It's a book about its own the process of writing itself in, in some ways, and all the different ways that a narrative can take shape and be told in in different ways and different segments of those interact. Um, so, so yeah, it's told as me, well, a pseudonym of me, the author writing this book that has multiple different parts because I've started and restarted many efforts at writing a full novel and failed. So it's an ultimately a novel of failure. Yeah. So I would it genuinely spring from kind of having 
you you did have a, it was like pulling on a lawnmower like finally trying to finish a novel a couple of half finished things and then this one's what came out right i mean the the multiple parts of this novel are all just the detritus of my efforts to write a single novel <laughs> so it, it it came together you know i the first five years of me writing and thinking I was actually writing something, I sat down at the end of those five years and I counted up all the words I'd written down in my little notebook throughout the day and I had like 5,000 words. <laughs> and I realized that wasn't a novel. And so then I sat down and tried to write this pseudo memoir and that I got bored of writing that. So I started writing a future history and then I got bored of writing that. And so I started writing the dream journal and a choose your own adventure type thing. And by having all those things going at once, I was able to always write no matter what day it was. I, I, I could always find a story that I was interested in writing. And so it ended up being a useful device for getting myself through something of novel length, even if it isn't necessarily cohesive or, or traditional in that sense. So did you, at the end of the process, come up with sort of the, the author, like the, the kind of the beginning, like the introduction, you're setting up the book of like how it, it is sort of organized. And this is, a, this is a, like a, a memoir writer. And this is actually his like unfinished. Was that at the end of the writing process? So the, the like prologue and introductory, the editor's notes and the preface and all that I did, I wrote those things at the end okay. to stitch it all together. I, because I've always been fascinated with the beginning matter, the front matter in books, because I don't think a lot of people read that. And so I, I kind of wrote that in, and I even wrote it and I gave it to my wife and she didn't read that part. <laughs> she skipped right over it. I said, did you, what did you think of that? She said, well, no one reads that. So. <laughs> So I, I kind of wrote it as a, a joke to myself, I guess, uh, to kind of tie it all together. But yeah, I don't know how successful that was. Well, let me just say, I like the book too. I thought it, it all worked. I don't want to put people off by calling it unusual and uh, uncohesive. It, it's very good. It's entertaining. It's funny. It all kind of comes together. So if you're listening out there, don't be put off by it. It's metafiction, but it's not um, navel-gazing metafiction. Sam, I've never met you, but from reading the book, I feel like you like a good story. And you've lit, I, don't see, I guess what I was trying to do is like, where's Sam in this? Because I feel like he's in here somewhere, but I'm like, I just got to let that be. I'm just, but what I took from the book was a, a joy of story and thinking about kind of the, uh, the future stuff we've been kind of talking about that on the pack podcast recently, kind of like not alternate history, but thinking about the things like that may or may not happen or stuff like that. So it was, it struck me that you had created a very, a story that like uh, promoted creativity and, and wonder and all this kind of stuff that kind of, we've read some, kind of contemporary literature where it almost seems like they're the author's bored with like 
the idea of a book. And I did not get that sense with this book. It was, it was full of energy and ideas and you're interjecting yourself into the, the coda. So it's, it's, it was very enjoyable read for me personally. Awesome. Thanks. Yeah. yeah I mean, there's, there's definitely a love of storytelling and narrative and just it, it's power to connect people and shape, shape our own realities and perceptions. You know, it, that was what I thought I was doing when I was writing the book was telling the same story five different ways. There are different threads that, you know, keep reemerging. And those are the things that are, are me. There, there is a lot of me in it. I don't know how to write any other way. You know, I've, I've, I've tried to be open, like you said, have this kind of sense of wonder and, and weird things seem to happen to me all, all the time. And so, you know, I just chronicle those and you'd be surprised at some of the things that are in the book that are actually real that happened to me. Uh, so, it, it, but those are yeah, a little surprises for people as they dig through it. Yeah. How much of it is you? And I think, I didn't get the sense that like it was all true. Now I might be wrong or whatever, but we've read, uh, famously, we read a book that from Matt's home state, it's the only book we like really did not like. And it was like, oh, all of this is true, but it's fiction and it's like kind of boring. I feel like you've lived a full life and like the stuff that's true is very interesting and should be a book in itself. So I, I think, I think you pulled off writing about yourself. And so if the, the listener is listening, it's not like just a, uh, you know, step-by-step, step, you know, through your day or kind of, it, it was exciting stuff. So. Well, good. I, I appreciate that, that I managed to strike that balance. <laughs> <laughs> The, the middle part, the asteroid part, kind of reminded me of World War Z a little bit. Hmm. Just, yeah. just in the, the future history, the retelling. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, a future that, fictional event as a history of here's how, here that, here's how that happened. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that, that, I, I read, I've read that book and that, that's a, I, I love the narrative device that, that's being used to tell that story and certainly foundation you know, is a looking back, you know, as a future history written from some vantage point after some calamity, there's, there's certainly some inspiration there too. Was that the, your favorite part to write? Cause it, reading it, it felt like you can kind of take it wherever you want. Kind of like you're, you're telling a, in a very believable way. Um, was there a lot of research done for that or was it kind of taking your own knowledge and kind of going where wherever it goes yeah it, it was a combination of just you know research and and things i've i've read and collected over the years and then kind of just drilling down on them and imagining what might happen or what if i took this to its logical extreme or didn't take it to its logical extreme uh you know whether it's plate tectonics or what, what weird things could I possibly think of that are connected to science and how could I misinterpret them to make them interesting? <laughs> I was going to ask in the, is that shift rotation thing for real? Cause I'm getting a little uh, note. Earthquakes, big earthquakes alter the planet's rotation. So oh. I, I would imagine that a big meteor would. Okay. Well, I know nothing about science. 
so I didn't know how was that supposed to be fantastical and almost like a joke or is that plausible but I have a, a note off to the side of that whole the shift the meteor shifting the earth's rotation and adding another 8.3 seconds I just have question mark for real <laughs> I, I don't I don't remember doing any calculations for it but, uh, but you know it, it seemed like a large enough mass that it could it could really make a, a difference yeah okay yeah okay. I like I like that that's that's what you get from from us you're like is that we're getting getting to the nitty-gritty here <laughs> um I also when I was reading the book I'll be honest, I was thinking to myself, is Sam real? Because I'm like, <laughs> I was, I was I'm like, okay, we have him on the podcast. And I'm reading this book and I'm thinking, is, it, is this just a, a ruse? Because I'm like, okay, is this him? Is the, is the public? I, you do a very good job of, and I like it because I've read a handful of, I don't really know if metafiction is the really the right, because I don't really know. I, It's, it's it's kind of playing around with the, the form of who the author is, I guess. Cause you're in the book, you see, Oh, this book is by Sam Marks. Oh, there's a character named Sam Marks. You're obviously like, okay. Um, how much of that was kind of plain? Like, did you kind of scope that out or was that just kind of, you're having fun with the book where you're kind of interjecting yourself um, these sort of like pseudonyms per se. Um, was that an enjoyable thing or is that kind of, to make the book work, you had to kind of do that. No, that was just me uh, playing around, having fun with, with that process. I, every project I seem to do, I seem to wrap in so many layers of abstraction and like try to hide myself to this degree that is unnecessary. <laughs> and, and I ended up doing that for, for this project as well trying to create these layers of identities in between me and the book. And then ultimately at the end, coming to the realization that that was all for not because I'm, I am like suffused throughout the, the writing and there's no real way to extract myself from it. So it's always just a kind of a guise that I attempt at. I've always created these pseudonyms and, and kind of false identities with various creative projects and music projects and, and, and writing and and that's just creating that gets me in a, a mental space where then I can feel like I can address writing without bringing my daily baggage to it I guess it it, it keeps it that sense of wonder that you talked about before it's just a little more exciting to to approach it as someone a little bit different than than myself does it get does it give you like the freedom to tackle things you wouldn't normally feel comfortable with or any does it is there any sort of artistic you know license that you feel like it because what i was thinking of and i think i saw this on your instagram page so i think you're familiar with the authors fernando pessoa who created like heteronyms which aren't yeah. pseudonyms but they are like alternate like lives of different characters who have full backstories and he, he created like 75 of them but do you go to that length? Does that interest you? Is that like an influence of yours or is that? Just it's, it's, it's definitely a, a cool concept. I, I wouldn't say it's a, a direct influence per se, but, but certainly I resonate with that idea. And by 
kind of creating these stories, you know, whether it's Tolkien with, with the Lord of the Rings and he did all this groundwork and created these languages and these histories just in order to tell the Lord of the Rings, you know, in the, the third age of, of Middle Earth. Like he created all that other stuff that we never really got to read until people were digging through the archives and, and publishing it. And, and I, I, li I like that kind of commitment to, to an idea to fully flesh it out. And we only really see the, the tip of the, the iceberg. I, I, I haven't really probably gone to that length yet, but I, I definitely, that's something that really intrigues me and excites me. It's only the beginning, Sam. It's only the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, do you have a question? Well, I kind of wanted to get, you have one of the most entertaining author bios I've ever read. And I, if you're willing, I wanted to ask about the... Um, I wanted to add one thing to your author bio too. Just, oh. it's kind of, it might be weird, but I think, I don't know. All right. Let's go, go ahead, Matt, and I'll, I'll add my addition yeah, to add it. later. Well, yeah, I have yeah, a yeah. story in the port of Parama getting chased by a drunken bottle-wielding communist. Yeah. So I was on a, a, a merchant, a refrigerated cargo vessel, and it was supposed to be sailing from, from there to South America to pick up bananas and then sail back. But when I got there, I learned that the ship wasn't actually going to go anywhere and that I was basically like a slave to pound rust off of pipes. So you just and stuck. Yeah, so I was stuck there. And so the, it was me and a classmate, and, and our overriding goal was to find a telephone because this was pre, pre-cell phone. Well, not pre-cell phone, but we didn't have them uh, with us, and we weren't allowed to use the phone on the ship. And so we wandered out through the, the shipyard, and it was in the docks, and it was kind of a sketchy area, lots of crumbling buildings. And yeah, this, this guy came charging out of a building, <laughs> waving a broken bottle in my direction. And there was this big like hammer and sickle on the building. So oh. I ran back to the ship and, and waited to try again another day <laughs> to find a phone. We, we eventually did find a phone, but there were many misadventures along the way. Well, that's not a good sign that the ship won't let you use their phone. Yeah, there were, not, there were lots of not good signs. There were no <laughs> operating bathrooms on the ship. There was like, we were just, we got called one day, said, you know, hey, there's, there's an oil spill. And we're like, oh, yeah, <laughs> we, need, we need you to clean it up. <laughs> okay. And we're in the port. Just, yeah, picking these bags of oily rags and they would just chuck them over the side into the water. It was, yeah, it was not, not a, a well, a, we're on operation. It was not, yeah, definitely not following EPA guidelines. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Was this like an after college uh, adventure or how'd you get this into was, that? This was during college. So I went to a tiny school web institute that does naval architecture. And so we, I worked in a shipyard my first year on an aircraft carrier, like grinding metal and welding things in Newport News. And then our sophomore year, we were supposed to be on a ship sailing somewhere. Mine 
mine didn't really sail very well. Uh, <laughs> but and then and then we were in just design offices, you know, doing engineering internships. But but yeah, that 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 ship experience was definitely a a, a life's highlight. <laughs> So the thing I was going to add, because you have, uh, you wrote a thesis on detailing the rhetorical tactics of online music critics, which I don't know if you want to go in too in depth, but I feel like that's very interesting because I, I used to, I don't follow as closely like indie music, like Pitchfork, for example, was like the big music blog. Mm -hmm. Is that kind of what you're tackling with this in your, in your thesis? Yeah. Yeah. I, I analyzed Pitchfork's, how they... How they received and promoted Arcade Fire versus Clap Your Hands, Say Yeah. Oh my and, gosh, this is right up my alley. Yeah, so so like they they basically created this emotional investment in Arcade Fire and turned on Clap Your Hands, Say Yeah. After their because, first album. Yeah, because yes. of this notion of authenticity that was totally contrived and, and, and silly. And I even talked to the guy to Alec in Clap Your Hands Say Yeah, he did a house concert here in town several years ago. And and yeah, he, he was just kind of like, yeah, pitchfork guy. <laughs> you know? I, I thought, I, I don't know if this is fact, but I thought like the review and the score are not exact, like the reviewer doesn't come up with the score. Right, like, yeah, the, there's lots of editorial control. The editorial comes up, because you'll see stuff and you're like, well, why isn't this, Matt doesn't even know what we're talking about right now. He's, I don't know, he's- too <laughs> bad. I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> but I know this. This was like my early, yeah, in college. This was the thing. It was like why it it, it didn't get a best new music score, but it has like an eight point one. It was very frustrating. So I kind of want to read this this thesis because it seems like the record company could easily pay off the Pitchfork, for example, to like promote their album better. But right. But, but Clap Your Hands Say Yeah was just a self-released record and they didn't really have the kind of promotional wherewithal. The blogs kind of, music blogs kind of latched onto it and it just got out of control, I think, the, the hype for it. But So yeah, if you want to read it, it's in the, the CSU library. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of want to. But, uh, I wouldn't recommend it, actually. Uh, <laughs> uh, you baker? Is that a talent yeah, I, you, you still use? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I dabble. You know, I, I'm, uh, I you you wrote a, a rock opera. Yeah, about the life of Isaac Babel, the uh, Russian author, and I. Yeah, it was that was a big kind of six year project, and it's it's unfinished or it, it's it's finished. I finished writing it, but it's not all recorded because. You know, that's only appropriate because Babel didn't get to finish his work. I like that. Uh, Grant Ryder. I got you? Isaac Babel confused with Isaiah Berlin. Because <laughs> you mentioned the, the Fox and the Hedgehog and yeah. that Isaiah Berlin's thing. Right. But yeah. I'm hanging in there, Peter. You're hanging in there. I'm, I'm going to let, let you get around here. Uh, the one thing I was going to add to your bio. Okay. I wanted to be this. It seems like you're a huge board game enthusiast and you know a lot about board games. Yeah, definitely. Which I'm always jealous of because I have gone to friends, like I've known friends who are big board and I've gone to their houses and it's like a lot of fun. 
but it seems like a lot of time and like you kind of have to understand stuff and me and matt are kind of not i don't know our attention spans don't go like not um, good at things. Is that, what's that matt not good at understanding things no we i mean we just i don't we once described a recent book kind of like a complicated board game which i thought was one of our better descriptions of a of a of a novel kind of you had to learn the rules before you kind of understood the book uh my question to you was what's your favorite board game all time Ooh, that's a that's a good question uh i think the my favorite designer is stefan feld and he's designed a, a number of board games but he has one called trajan and, and i think that's probably my my favorite it's very loosely themed on Emperor Trajan from ancient Rome, but really the theme has nothing to do with it. It's just trying to get as many points in, in a variety of ways as as many board games do. I like it. I like it. it sounds, I'm sounds, good at risk. That's about it. You're good at risk. I like risk. Yeah. That's where we're that's where we're at, Sam. We're not, I mean, it's risk, monopoly, that kind of level. There, there, there's no judgment here. That, those are those are good pastimes. <laughs> yeah. You're lucky we didn't say like we like sorry and checkers. Those are where we're at, and we're not looking to get too far. Uh, Matt, lead us back to to actually getting on back on topic because I, I got I got really um, interested in the music stuff. So well, no, the right. music stuff's fine. One more thing about the octopi <laughs> though: you answered telephones for a billionaire. You gotta know what that means. You don't have to. Yeah, the, our, our Fort Collins local billionaire, Pat Stryker. I worked for the, the Bohemian Foundation for a while. Answered, I was their receptionist for a couple of years. So, yeah. Good guy. I have some questions yeah. about that, but I'm not gonna <laughs> ask them. I feel like she has a lot of properties that you don't realize she has. That's my only comment. Indeed. Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> Someone once told me, he's like, do you see all those office buildings? And then I'm like, yeah. And they're like, oh, she owns all those. I go, oh, that's interesting. Okay. <laughs> she's, she's done a lot for Fort Collins. It would be I, a very different place without her. Exactly. There, yeah. Not complaining. So. Well, she's looking for a podcast sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, yeah. I don't know. She would. Uh, yeah. Anyway. So, um, this is a kind of a uh, side question. I saw uh, you posted something on Instagram about the Atlas of Remote Islands. It's a book I thoroughly enjoyed. I don't know if I've talked to you about this, Matt. It's essentially, it's kind of like an artistic book. Like the drawings are very good, but it's islands you're never going to visit. And then a brief... Um, kind of like history fun almost like fun facts it's it's a weird book but it seemed like when i saw that and after reading this book i was like oh i can see the author of this book really liking that book but i that's all it's i've never seen anyone else like that book so i i had to mention it to you that's that's one of my yeah one of my favorite books ever it's and and there's this whole series of kind of obscure geography type books, but islands have always captured my imagination, whether, you know, I think it's the, the idea that you could know an entire place, you could like walk over every square 
square foot of an island and, and really get to know it and its its geography and its people or culture or whatever. You know, there's it just it's this metaphor for you know complete knowledge and and having a handle on something and that, and I like that and every island has its own unique story as as that book kind of evidenced and and there's so many strange and and weird stories in this world and and, and every island kind of represents that I think so so yeah that's definitely a and on a the, touch on the back of the the cover right there's a one of the that book is referenced. I think I see it in the back of the cover. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah that's, I I drew. Uh, I have Saint Helena and uh, Saint Kilda. Yeah, I, I drew several islands on the back of it. <laughs> okay, I was always fascinated by islands that once had people. So you would think, okay, you're going to start like a colony or like a community there. And then they just fail. And then people just like leave the island. I always thought that was like, a, it's a weird thing because you think like humans are always like, okay, we're going to conquer nature. We're going to set up a base here and, and we'll, we'll make it work. And then it, sometimes it's just like, actually, this is not going to work. <laughs> I don't know why. I just like the human failure sort of aspect sometimes with the islands that I don't know. Yeah, yeah, it, it, they're they're fascinating. They're, they really are endlessly. I, I've they've been a, a islands just in general have been a big source of inspiration in my writing and and the stories and the things that happen on them. There's, yeah, people who've like Clipperton Atoll. They there was this colony there, and this this guy proclaimed himself king, and basically everyone revolted and yeah got rid of him and <laughs> and then they they escaped the island so yeah there, there's all sorts of of cool stories out there for sure had, uh, atlas of the lost world yeah right that's a good book that's a really good book yeah, yeah. it's not quite about islands but my whole i'm fascinated by you know, pre-columbian america's yeah, I, I think what fascinated me most about that book was, and, and what it underscored and reinforced was the idea that, you know, everyone in their own time thinks that they're like top dog and that surely no one else has been here or been more advanced. And yet, you know, that showed that there have been people populating the, the Americas for way before we even thought they were and these cultures that that died out that that flourished you know it, it's it's amazing to think of all of the the rises and falls of, of people yeah it's been around a lot longer than we thought people have known how to sail for a long time it's not yeah. it didn't take until the 1400s for people to cross the ocean right what i really liked about that when was he was describing kayaking down the western or the pacific coast of mm -hmm. the americas from alaska to the tip of chile and how the the landscape would almost kind of invert on itself you know you'd start out really icy in the glaciers and you'd come down the coast and it'd get more temperate and then you get to the middle it'd get really warm and then once you hit the equator it almost flip on itself mm -hmm. and it seemed like you're coming back home but you're really going down from mexico 
all the way to the reverse to more ice and glaciers. And it would almost seem like you just turned around and went home, but you'd look up in the sky and there'd be different constellations and what that would have been like 20, 30,000 years ago for someone yeah. who done that. Yeah, that's, that's a, a, a really neat concept. Like there's a, there's a, a science fiction story in there, I think too, you know, but oh, yeah. the seed of a, of a really good, I could see them making a, a good story about that. There's yeah. a book I want to recommend to you real quick. And I just, I talked about it on the podcast recently. It's called Civilizations by Lauren Benet, French author. Oh, And it's a alternate history, but instead of kind of like Europe coming over to South America, the, the reverse happens and the Incans travel to Europe and Spain and actually take over Spain. And it's very like, detailed and interesting way of looking at history like basically how it works is the vikings come over to south america they actually get sick from diseases in south america the incans take the kind of like shipbuilding technology and use it to eventually sail across the atlantic and it's, it's really interesting uh, yeah, that I, that that book is definitely on my radar i'm, I'm I'm really excited to read that. The, have you read HHHH? I have not. I've been meaning to read that for like 10 years. Or... It is It is awesome. Okay. It, it really is. That book, again, thinking of, of metafiction, you know, the way he, that Benet interrogates the notion of writing, he's, he's a character in the writing of that history of, of the assassination attempt on Heydrich. And there's all these really cool moments of where he he'll he'll provide a fact like you know the color of the the car he was riding in when they made this assassination attempt was was green and then like several chapters later it's like well actually it was black and and like he he'll go back and correct himself and and it's this really really fascinating narration of that the the process of uncovering facts and what makes something you know nonfiction versus some other kind of narrative? So it, yeah, that's it's definitely having read that, I'm definitely in. Yeah, he's in got some he's very creative mind. I'll be. I was like, holy cow! Okay. <laughs> so no, yeah, he's got. He's, it's I high recommend. Uh, it sounds like you're familiar with him, so it sounds like yeah, something right up your alley. Yeah. Awesome. We're kind of going back. Um, when did you think kind of the interesting parts of the book, I thought Coda, like that seemed like more like this is, this might be you, Sam, like you're kind of ruminating on writing this book. Um, it sounded like you had some failed attempts. When did you decide, like, was there a moment where you're like, I think I can be a writer. Cause me and Matt, I think have told ourselves we're going to be a writer. And then we like five seconds later, we have forgotten that we have said that to ourselves. Um, kind of, I don't know, you want to talk about like the process of like feeling like you failed, but then keeping on with the project and, and, and kind of succeeding, you, you published a book. Um, you can, by the way, you can buy this book on Amazon, bookshop.org, all, all of your, you know, <laughs> support your local indie, indie bookstores. But what about that progress, that, that kind of the steps that you took um, was kind of, what'd you learn along the way, I guess? I, 
I, what I've learned is that I don't often end up finishing projects. I, I have kind of a, a perfectionist streak and maybe it's not perfectionism because the, the book's not perfect, but uh, that I will keep kind of iterating on something well past the, the point when would be logical to stop. I, with, with this, you know, I, I knew it was a novel. Only, it only became a novel because I never th threw anything away. I never aborted any of those partial attempts and failed attempts at it. And so it was only through those kind of those interstitial moments in the book where it's me as an author or some omniscient narrator observing me as an author that, that I realized it worked together in a way and that it was more cohesive than, than it might otherwise have been. So, so yeah, it was only once I got... <laughs> It's only once I got to the end that I realized it was it was something, uh, which I guess sounds silly, but you know, it, once I had it in a, I, once I hit eighty thousand words, I felt like okay, I wrote a novel. <laughs> that was just the, the flag I'd planted in the ground, and and once I once I hit that, then I kind of started shaping things within that those confines, and and I went back through and you know revised and edited multiple times, but, but yeah, it, it, the basic skeleton was there as soon as I, I finished and hit that 80,000 word mark. Matt, you want to ask a question? Well, well I had a, you mentioned at the beginning, the uh, mountainous regions rarely, rarely produce, you know, was it good literature or yeah, great literature. I'm mm -hmm. kind of trying to think like, okay, what, uh, is that a real thing or is that? Um... Well, I mean, I, I mean, is it a real thing? You, I, is that something you heard? Is like that a real like saying? Cause I was yeah, in my mind. Like, I, if you think about all of the like great authors, so many of them, at least in the, the American consciousness came from from interior flat places or coastal places that 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 aren't mountainous, uh, and maybe that's just my own you know skewed perception of it. So that was just a oh, yeah. personal observation. Yeah, yeah, no, I meant yeah, yeah, I meant is that like some you thought of, or is that like a general like saying or whatever? Because I could really only think of keeping to the Americas, like Thomas Wolfe. North Carolina counts as mm -hmm. mountainous. Yeah. That's about, I mean, yeah. My, my theory is there, there are no dinner parties in the mountains. <laughs> you need a good dinner party to sell, you know, a million books. And those, yeah. only, those only happen in a few cities. <laughs> right. <laughs> but um, um, is your debut novel, are you currently working on a follow-up is it you know something you're working on is it in the same realm of same kind of metafiction or is it completely different i i am working on a follow-up uh who knows how long it'll take that one took me 15 years to write so okay 
this one, the kind of guiding principle or concept that I'm working on is that I want to write it like a, a palindrome. So like you could read it forwards and backwards and it would be, you would get the same kind of thing out of it. And I don't, we'll see how successful that idea is, but, and I'm, my goal too is to, in, in writing a palindrome is to sustain one, well, two narratives, I guess, in this case, that are gonna be kind of crossing like that. Uh, so have more sustained narrative and, and, and have it be a palindrome. So that's my goal. I like it. I like it a lot. Bold. I, it made me, it made me smile because I, I've told this to Matt. I like a writer or like a movie director who like, who takes risks, who doesn't just say, Oh, uh, who's not like pessimistic about the form. And it sounds like you're like, you know what I'm going to do. I'm like, Holy cow. That's not ambitious, <laughs> but I like it. I, I That is that's the, uh, yeah good kind of metafiction as opposed to the uh the author is dead and there's no future in fiction don't do yeah please Sam, don't do that don't say it. boring life yeah i don't want to see a i don't want to see a blurb that says the novel died with sam ernst newton the latest novel but no we must keep it alive <laughs> yeah i i think i think i won't go there so okay we'll be safe Matt, do you have some rapid fire questions for Sam? I got some rapid fire questions. I wanted to, you, you got like, I got a whole page of like good quotes from this book. Let's read them. So, well, Not some of my read. favorites. Um, but, 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 he took comfort in knowing he could never sell out since no one was buying what he had on offer. The, the best one, it was his sister's birthday. He celebrated by crying like a little girl. <laughs> yeah that, that that happened once but <laughs> i had a question sam were we supposed to read okay the choose your own adventure i texted matt i'd finished the i'd finished my choose my own adventure and i tried to do another one Mm -hmm. I'll be honest. I was like, I'm getting really kind of confused about where I'm at here right now. Was it intentional? Were we supposed to do every one or was it just choose your one? And then are you done with the novel? Yeah. I didn't know how people would approach that section. Okay. Honestly, uh, my, my mother-in-law read it linearly. <laughs> I thought of doing that. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> and, and that, you don't miss anything that way, but there are several shared scenes okay. between each of the pathways through that that section. And in one, you might, like, it'll seem like there's a lot of crossover, but there's, you know, it's, it'll be a slightly twisted take on what happened in okay. the other, other pathway. And you might see something that happened in another pathway while you're walking through, you know, reading through another pathway. So there, there are some moments of crossover, but yeah, I, I don't know if people, I, I didn't know how people would, would, would approach that. What people typically do for choose your own adventures, if they kind of thumb back and be like, no, I don't want to go that way and, and kind of go back to where they were and make a different choice. Or if they try to choose a completely different pathway, or if they just say, I, I did it once, I'm done. <laughs> 
I'll be honest, when I was choosing my pathways, I had Matt's judgmental voice in my head be like, of course you did it that way. I I did, I mean, this is episode 90. And I was like reading, I was like, Matt would say, I'm gonna, I was like, well, I have to do it. It's true to myself. I'm gonna have to do this. And I could just hear Matt's voice be like, oh well, of course, Peter. Come on. <laughs> I chose the boldest and it just what okay, what's the boldest move from here? Okay. I jumped off the roof in a trash can. I did like all that stuff. I, I was sick. back for my novel and all the stuff I did. It worked out. I won't give anything away, but it worked out. I was, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I did not do that. <laughs> <laughs> there, there is one like hidden place in that section that you can't get to unless you cheat. So, oh, oh, hmm. oh interesting. <laughs> I, to be honest with you, I don't think I've ever had that the, choose your own adventure in a book. I, I like, I know the concept of it. I think mm -hmm. I've seen it in like video games. Mm -hmm. uh, you didn't read choose your own adventure books? No, was I wasn't. I was mostly R.L. Stein. Remember him? He's very yeah. good. A little Clive Costler. Uh, yeah. But, well, 10, 11, maybe. Yeah. I, they had that whole in the the school library at my grade school they had a whole weren't they numbered on the spines i think so yeah i had one one of them about like uh there were dinosaurs in it and time travel yeah yeah and you get a cheat yeah. yeah it was well done it was fun it was a fun way to end the book i like it yeah uh, one last question for me um i thought for some reason i thought this book would be a good like novel for young people in a weird like a way as far as like encouraging them to think about a story a different way i don't know have you had readers who are like younger who have enjoyed like have you gotten feedback from that i just thought it would be like i don't know sometimes it's hard for like i don't know teenagers or maybe people younger to read to have a book that can engage you on a, a lot of different levels where you're like wait a second who's the author what okay just you're, you're touching a lot of grounds here have you had any young readers kind of give feedback on the book at all or? Not that I'm aware of. I mean, I, I haven't received the feedback. I, I, gave, I gave the book to my nieces uh, to read and they kind of had the, <laughs> the question of, wait, what, is this real? What, what's happening? <laughs> uh, so, so yeah, that, aside from confusion, that, that's the only, reaction i've seen to elicit from from young readers so far but but there might hey, be confusion's good though it's yeah not to, it's not you know it's, i was kind of confused i was like i don't know if this guy's real <laughs> <laughs> matt um we have a prize for sam don't we mm -hmm. okay do you want to get to that because he he's he's a friend of the pod like i said earlier he's yeah well he won the 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 football prize um and, and so he, he want you get a book right? The winner gets a book from my personal library. And I said, just pick a genre, pick a category. And you said humor. Yeah. So I have four humor books and I'll let you pick one, but I have rapid fire questions real quick. Okay. okay. Well on them. Who's your, what's your, who's your football team? The Packers. Packers. Okay. Very, I got that. I very got classical that. team. That's classic. That's okay. Yeah. He had in the pool. Yeah, Chiefs Packers in the Super Bowl. And, and the Packers, Packers. Yeah. 
I had Chiefs Packers, Chiefs winning. Mm. Peter had Bills Cowboys, so nobody, hmm. nobody. I don't know. Who wrote Shakespeare? Do you think? Oh boy. <laughs> I, I I kind of go with the I, the solitary author hypothesis. An actual think, William Shakespeare. Yeah, yeah, I think there was a real Shakespeare. This is a, Matt wanted a complex. Matt likes the, the idea that it's five guys. And it's no, no, no. I like, I, and I don't know. It might be the actual William Shakespeare. I watched a 30-minute documentary about how it's the Earl of Oxford. So it's still one guy. Okay. It's really Earl of Oxford. Right. Ooh, what, what, it's not important. I don't really have a learned opinion. I'm just okay. I'm curious. It's part of my rapid-fire question series. Favorite baseball movie? I, you know, I watched, there was one I saw several years ago now called Sugar that was about this like Dominican baseball player in the, the farm system. That was, a, that was a pretty good one. It was, it was a good kind of view of, of a, an aspect I hadn't really considered in how these farm teams work and, and the recruitment of all the Dominican players and how they're just kind of dumped into middle America with no, no real support system or wherewithal. Yeah. 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 It was, it was really cool. Sugar. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And one more, uh, foundation. What are the odds? Do you think that Asimov based found the foundation series on uh, secret esoteric, actual history of the galaxy there really was a galactic empire and it collapsed and we're just a far out colony living in you know and the the echoes asimov picked up on the echoes and is secretly trying to that's some metafiction right there yeah that's 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 plausible matt (laughs) all real maybe it it might be you never know 10 percent yeah I'd, I'd go with it. Yeah, something low, but okay. but not not completely improbable. Not zero. Not zero. You're being too nice to him, Sam. You're being too nice to him. That's <laughs> what I have to deal with. He's just I like, didn't hey, make hey. that up. There's a thing on the internet. I and I know. It might just be a comment on on Goodreads or YouTube. It's like you know, Asimov. This is real. Asimov based it on the. It's like oh, really? Anyway, okay. Those are my rapid fire questions. Get the humor book. Let's see what he can. What, the, what Sam is this whole thing of, of be, befriending us. He wants to get us a, a book from Matt's personal library. It's a good library, Sam. It's it's. I'm always whenever I visit Matt, I'm always like looking at, like, hold on, we'll talk later. Let me look through the shelves. Okay. So do you remember? You remember David Letterman? I, I do. Television program. Remember I did the top ten lists. Yeah. Oh, no. so I got a book, an altogether new book of top 10 lists. Wow. Letterman. You know, it's the, the, you know, I have a quick side story on that. Um, I'm born and raised here in Fort Collins. Uh, the high school I went to is the Lampkins, and that was ranked the second worst mascot on a top 10 list by David Letterman. So, okay. so it's not necessarily, it, it might be. Some of the, the top top ten new jobs for Millie Vanilli. 
Einstein's <laughs> Gorbachev is on the verge of a nervous, nervous breakdown. Are you telling me there might have been an updated version of that book? <laughs> no, I'm saying this is obviously, you know, from the, what, the early 90s. It's a time capsule. It's, it is a time capsule. But, you know, it's a, I think there's a, this is like part two. I thought I had a volume one, but I can't find it. So volume two. All right. All right. Book number two, you know, the author Christopher Buckley. Yes. So, you know, thank you for smoking and all that. I haven't read this, but I have it. It's called God is my broker. Oh, secret teachings of the market by brother Ty with Christopher Buckley and John Tierney. I don't know if that's a gimmick. I think Christopher Buckley wrote it from like just him, not co-written, but uh, you know, sounds like a very Christopher Buckley book. You know, a satire on uh, business, you know, melding of religion and business and I think when it was written in the 90s, it was supposed to be seen as so out there and bizarre. You know, God is my broker. But I'm pretty sure you go into a bookstore now, you'll see uh, pretty serious versions of that. Right. <laughs> oh. uh, but, uh, third one. I don't know if you're into the Flashman books, but Royal Flash. Mm. And your story you you spoke very highly of these. Yeah. They're, 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 they're yeah they're good yeah it's the second one it's the first one i read way back in the day so it's a good starting point but it's kind of body fun uh adventure story but technically humor if you're you know if you're not yeah. into the david letterman you know I, I, i'm into that but <laughs> you're still the okay. david letterman sure i didn't even know that was a book yeah continue all right the last one it's uh pg woodhouse pigs have wings it is one of the uh lord emsworth books with i believe uncle fred the uh, lord emsworth has a the empress of blandings his fat pig that he takes to the fat pig contest the prize pig and I, it, it's either I forget if this one is somebody's trying to steal it or somebody's trying to give give it slimo to make it lose weight and lose the fat pig contest. But uh, yeah, it's pretty funny. That's pretty good. Lord Emsworth ones I think are underappreciated. They're kind of overshadowed by the the Jeeves stories, but the Emsworth ones are really fun too. So, so one of those four books is yours, Sam. Which one of those four. I mean. You, you've you've talked you've talked so much about Flashman and, and and Woodhouse on on the podcast. I, I think I have to go with one of those two. Yeah. Uh, let's do uh, let's do Woodhouse. Sure. Okay. That's what I would have picked. That's a good choice. <laughs> <laughs> and there's our first winner of our fantasy football NFL. I, I appreciate you. You did the fantasy author. Like the author thing we did. Oh yeah, that might have been our best idea we ever had. And that was pretty early on, and I, we're still trying to top that. <laughs> that was a really good idea. I don't. It's it was one of the most fun things we have ever done in the podcast. And like, I was like, I don't know how we can. Should we just do it again with different, like a different sport? I don't know. Yeah. Well, I was thinking for the baseball stuff we're doing. I was thinking you feel the team with authors. You do. Yeah. 
So that's good because you need a different skill set than mm-hmm. than you need for a football team. Yeah, so. you know the guy who can throw the fastball. You know the the catcher. It's yeah, we'll probably do that, and then we might as well just do the football thing again. Come August. Yeah, I like it. Different yeah. authors, same authors. I don't care. So. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Sam, this has been a blast. Uh, thank you for coming on. I feel like you're a friend of the pot. You can come on whenever you want, really. If you, if yeah. you want to talk about a book we're reading, send us an a, a email or DM or whatever on Instagram and come on. I know we're reading Life and Faith this year, and I know that's probably, I think that's a book that you've been meaning to read. Um, it is. So I think we're we're reading like five huge books right now so i'm not sure when we'll get to start recording those episodes but uh we'll keep you in mind when we start recording those because i, I think that's going to be one of our kind of reading highlights of the year so uh awesome. greatly, greatly appreciate you coming on the the uh there will be books podcast well yeah thanks for having me it was it was i've been listening to you guys for past year and a half and i you know I, I feel very connected now. You get to see us. I know. I've, I've been telling Matt we need to post pictures of our faces on our Instagram. It's funny because when we started the, the, the podcast, it was like, hey, we're going to do an Instagram and we're going to post pictures of our dogs and books. And Matt looked at me like, that's what is it? And then he's like 75% of the posts are his. It's his dog that you see most often. So. <laughs> So the book is The New Manifesto by Sam Ernst. Pick it up. Uh, I think, is it available on Kindle Unlimited is what I saw. If you subscribe to there, you can read that on Kindle Unlimited. So a bunch of ways to pick up the book. So uh, thanks again, Sam. Yeah, thank, thank you guys. I appreciate it. All right.